You're listening to Discovering Multifamily, where we discuss all educational topics in commercial real estate with an emphasis on multifamily apartment investing via syndication. And now your hosts, former NFL fullback Brian Leonard and Anthony Scandariato. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Discovering Multifamily podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Scandariato with Red Knight Properties. And today we have a special guest here with us. Uh, we have Joe Cowboy uh, Mar- Marquette. Can I say that right? Uh, close enough. Marquis has been pronounced many ways. Okay. Marquis, I apologize for that. But um, Joe's been involved in numerous real estate development projects across the U.S., um, ranging from turnkey subdivisions, multifamily, which is obviously what we're going to talk about today on this show, condos, resorts, mixed use. Um, he has a uh, extensive background in environmental re- remediation. Um, so, you know, typically when you're looking at a development site, you know, that could make or break the deal. Um, it certainly has on, on my end, looking at some sites and some acquisitions where there was a lot of issues that weren't really remediable. Um, so um, love to hear how, how Joe was able to overcome um, some of the most common challenges he's had. Uh, during his career on the environmental side and kind of what to look out for when you're evaluating a site if you're looking to build multifamily because um, the environmental could be the, your largest ex- potential expense and exposure. So um, happy to have him here and uh, looking forward to our conversation, Joe. Uh, looking forward to it as well, Anthony. Uh, I love doing these. I uh, hope I can add some value to both you and your guest and uh being aware of what environmental challenges are out there is critical when you're looking at land. And a lot of people don't realize that, for example, the, oh, that's rural farmland. Uh, there can't be any environmental challenges there. But a lot of farmers not knowing any different uh, may have dumped all of their pesticides and herbicides in one particular location, creating a concentration of contamination and just knowing what signs to look for. And if you're not a certain getting a phase one environmental assessment on any significant investment is critical. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people when they're buying existing multifamily start with the phase one um, and then they only order subsequent reports if it's required. Um, when you're looking at a development site, obviously the phase one is critical, but is there certain as there, are there other reports they could order because the land, you know, I think that's even harder than existing to um, kind of come up with the pro forma for your environmental project, uh, you know, if, if it comes up um, in, in other phases. Um, so what's your best advice kind of trying to learn the due diligence up front on the environmental side? Well, a uh, phase one, if everything looks good is usually enough, but if the phase one is not 100% concrete, there's no issues, then going into a phase two with possible soil samples, and if there's a monitoring well or drinking wells anywhere close by, pull samples uh, of your water, because ground remediation can be relatively simple and easy, but if it gets into groundwater, then that's many, many millions of dollars usually and very long term. The odds are you won't be developing that property 
any time within 10 years. And here's what's critical. A lot of people are like, well, I'll go ahead and buy the land. I can always get rid of the land again. But here's the thing. They're always going to go after the deepest pockets that were ever attached to the land, whether or not you were the one that instituted it. If you owned that land, you inherited the environmental risk of it. So if you're the only one that had deep pockets involved in that property, then and it becomes a Superfund site, which is basically what the government designates something that they get involved in to clean up. They try to get potential responsible parties to foot the bill for that. Well, if you bought that land, and you're a high net worth individual that you've opened yourself up to a lot of potential liability. Yeah. Um, have you been involved in the Superfund sites and like any, have you seen, have you overcome some of those challenges for, you know, either whether yourself or one of your clients? Well, one of the most interesting projects that I was involved in was it was called a uh, basket creek and it was in douglasville georgia it was a super fun site the history behind it was somebody got caught dumping a half a truckload of drums so we went in to remediate the site and it was supposed to be up to a half a truckload of drums and maybe a little bit of contaminated soil well nine thousand and something drums 11,000 and something tires and 40,000 tons of contaminated soil later, we had that site cleaned up. What it actually was, was an illegal dump that people had been using for years. One particular company had been using for years and it was a big deep ravine. Well, they'd done covered up. Well, when they got caught, it looked like a little shallow swell that somebody just, that they backed into and jumped dump drums but when you walk to the backside of that ravine there was a 25 foot wall of what you knew was fill so that's the potential of how quick something can escalate what was supposed to be a half a truckload of drums and a couple of hundred yards of contaminated soil turned into a multi multi-million dollar super fun site wow. and then one of the biggest liabilities that I dodged was with a partner that was wanting to buy property near the Mobile shipyard. Well, upon looking at it, I told him, I said, I don't want to be involved. I said, I would suggest that you don't either because just looking at the site, I know that there's environmental remediation issues and I'm not wanting to be a part of it. Well, he studied on buying the site and then eventually on my recommendation said, no, I'm not I'm buy it. And this was pennies on the dollar for the dirt. Well, the people that bought it ended up having to clean it up and it cost them a little over $160 million to get that site clean to mm -hmm. be able to do anything with. Right. Wow. Um, yeah, it's, it's very interesting, especially on the, development side even on existing acquisitions you you still have to do your due diligence but i, I feel as though i see a little bit less of, of it it depends on the location obviously um as mo most of uh, your projects are you mentioned georgia alabama in, in that general southeast market well i consult with people all across the country and actually in some foreign countries in the caribbean and south america 
primarily what I actively develop now is a very tight niche in Baldwin County, Alabama. And we focus on waterfront properties, either uh, multifamily vacation rentals or uh, longer term multifamily, but still waterfront. Uh, but I consult with people that have a wide range of different development projects ranging from RV parks up to 200 plus million dollar uh, assisted living facilities. Uh, in fact, I'm looking at one project right now and consulting on it that's going to be a marina and high-end destination restaurant bar and boutique hotel. Oh, that's, that's excellent. Okay, so mostly in Dolphin County. Is that that's the Mobile area you mentioned? Ba Baldwin County is across from Mobile. That's mm -hmm. actually Gulf Shores Orange Beach. That is uh, White Sugar Sand Beaches, Crystal Clear Waters. Pretty much our beaches compare with anywhere, anything you can find in the Caribbean. Sure. No, it's really interesting. Um, so you have a lot. How, and how long uh, have you been doing this? Uh, how long have I been developing? Developing, uh, consulting, yes. Uh, well, let's just say 30 plus years is actually probably closer to 40 plus years now. But I've been doing it for quite a while. Wow. And um, how have you seen um, the environmental um, laws or restrictions, you know, progress over time in terms of, you know, on the developer side, you know, being less favorable now? You kind of have to go through more red tape. Um, how have you kind of seen that? That progress. I feel like you know, thirty years ago, it was a lot easier. Um, wasn't as much red tape as there is now. So, what has been your experience, at least recently? Oh Lordy, that's a rabbit hole. Uh, I'll try <laughs> to keep this uh, PG thirteen for the audience uh, because they've gotten ridiculous on some of the requirements uh, and some of the regulations were written by people that literally have no clue of what the impact in the environment is versus not, because we as man have already impacted the environment. Um, we've got way large amounts of impermeable surfaces. So you have to regulate runoff and uh, control like that. But from a standpoint of reshaping land, having to go through the Corps of Engineers, the local, uh, like here is ADEM, Alabama Department of Environmental Management, but every state has a Department of Environmental Management. And then you've got the local municipalities that have their own rules and regulations on what you can and can't do. And some of it's just not common sense. Some of it, you're actually improving the environment from a sustainability of both the local flora and fauna, as well as improving downstream uh, flora and fauna as well. So it's the time frame. People, that if you're getting into development, you're like, okay, I can have this ready in six months. Yeah. Well, it can take you six months just to get a meeting with the Corps of Engineers. Then you have to get everybody else on board. So realistically, and we're fairly fast. California's worse. But mm -hmm. if you're doing something from the ground up, you better figure on two years to be able to get all of your permits and approvals in place to be able to do anything. That's before you ever put a shovel in the ground. Yeah. 
Yeah. And like you said, it depends where you are, you know, in the United States and you do some work in the Caribbean too. So how, how is that? Is that any different than the States? That process? Actually it's, it's wild because it, it's a extreme range. Uh, you've got some areas that pretty much you can do anything that's going to bring money to the area. Then you've got other areas that uh, you can't, turn over a grain of sand without doing literally the same thing you do in this country. Right. Now that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so what moving forward, um, you said you're working on a few projects right now um, on the development side. Uh, what's kind of your plan to round out the rest of 2022 as we're recording this kind of towards the end of the year? Getting close well, to uh, primarily, I've got four major developments, and all of those are we're building those out to hold. Uh, I don't have anything that I'm building out to sell right now, and I'm focusing more on the mentoring and teaching side of things because I truly love helping people reach financial independence. And I say financial independence versus financial freedom because independence allows you to do what you want. Truly, if you think about it, freedom's a fantasy. Uh, nobody's truly financial free. Even Elon Musk has limits on what he can and can't spend because even he could lose his mind and spend himself broke. So financial independence is more of a mindset of creating wealth that you've got coming in that you don't have to work for, that is more than what your living expenses, how you want to live is. And you can do what you want that you're inspired to do versus having to chase money to live and it's more about the strategy than individual tactics and the philosophy and uh, psychology around it a lot of people talk about mindset but more importantly it's one thing to know it up here but until you get into your heart and you truly believe it for yourself it doesn't do anything so i don't like using the term mindset as much and that's truly what my mission is is to help as many people as i can become financially independent through teaching the psychology of it and strategy versus individual tactics. Sure. I love that. And so with that being said, how can my audience find more about, learn more about your teaching and connect with you and uh, learn from you? Cowboyjoe.me is my website. It has the various services I offer. Uh, that's www w.cowboyjoe.me and then register for my wisdom chat. I do them twice a month on Wednesdays at five. It's free and we hit every topic that you can possibly think of from relationships and how they're the critical key to your business and investment uh, success. We talk about cryptocurrency, digital assets and them being disruptive technologies and how it's going to change everything including multifamily and development over the coming years and then just a wide range of topics and then there's q a afterwards uh, i also have a crypto club if you want to ask questions about uh cryptocurrency i have that as well that's all on my website and there's a lot more information about me and how to get in touch with me on it excellent and we'll have a link to joe's uh you know website his, his chat form and you know social media descriptions in our social media description 
and as well as on iTunes. And if you liked what you heard and or saw today, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps Joe and our audience get our message out to grasp a wider net. So we'd really appreciate that and really appreciate your time for uh, coming on the show today, Joe, and look forward to staying in touch. I appreciate you for inviting me. I, like I said, I truly love doing this. I love teaching people and it is part of my mission. So thank you. Thank you, Joe.